Welcome to the Community Corner, the podcast powered by Bevy. I'm your host, Beth McIntyre. In this show, I interview community builders from all spaces in the industry. Stay tuned for actionable strategies to learn and community stories to love, all in 15 minutes. I'm really excited to have my next guest, Sam Jacobs, who is the CEO at Pavilion. Today, Sam talks about how Pavilion came to be and how it's grown super organically over the years. He shares their North Star metric to gauge the community's success, as well as how setting member expectations early on has driven incredible member engagement. Welcome, Sam, to the Community Corner. It's such a pleasure to have you with me today. Thanks for having me, Beth. Great to be here. Well, first of all, congratulations. The news broke just a couple weeks ago that you have rebranded formerly Revenue Collective and now Pavilion. And so how are you feeling two weeks after the big news dropped? I'm feeling fantastic, to be honest. I think it's hard to put percentages and numbers around whether a rebrand quote-unquote worked or not. But my sense is that it did work. And what does work mean? I think that the reason that we did it was to sort of reorient and sort of underscore our ambition and really the vision for what we're trying to do. And we felt like, I felt like uh, first revenue, we're trying to do more than just help people that are involved in revenue. So that's one part of it. And then the other part of it is that the word collective for me just implies a little bit of like inward looking, a little bit of defensiveness. And really what the company is about is about helping anybody achieve their professional potential through self-actualization, through tools and resources, through community-powered products and services. And so the word pavilion just captures that much more effectively for me than Revenue Collective. And so that's what the hope was. And I've just had so many people coming up to me digitally, mostly, but saying, (laughs) it's just, it seems like a bigger idea. It seems more open. I really understand what you're trying to do. I've just received that kind of feedback. Plus, you know, we're always looking for, we track a lot of data. So we're looking for declines in applications, right? Declines in web traffic, things that would tell us that the changeover wasn't so effective. And then the final thing I would look for is like people that I would have hoped had heard of the new name, whether or not they use it, whether they keep using Revenue Collective and everybody's been using Pavilion. So it tells me that it's sticking. So I'm excited. I think it's going well. That's awesome. And can you kind of share with our listeners what the impetus behind beginning this community in the first place was? Like what was the catalyst that made you want to create this? Well, catalyst is a little different than impetus. The impetus was that I feel like in every profession, but especially my backgrounds in sales and marketing, the rules for how to be effective, you know, the the best practices, the standards, the tactics, all of the things that you use to be good as a VP of sales or a VP of marketing or a VP of customer success, those things are changing more rapidly by the day what tools we're supposed to use, how we're supposed to approach people, how we're supposed to structure the team, how we're supposed to incentivize the team, all of those things. That's not just true of sales and marketing. It's true of every profession, but it's especially true there. At the same time that the average tenure of an executive has been declining over the last two decades. And so when I started working on Revenue Collective back in really 2014, it had fallen to under a year and a half. When you reach the C-suite, when you become a VP, SVP, C-level, something or other, you end up spending less than a year and a half on average in those companies at if you're part of a venture capital backed high growth business. And so that volatility is not necessarily a bad thing. It can be a good thing, but it is something to be grappled with. And that volatility and that uncertainty coupled with the increasing complexity of being good at the job for me felt like 
companies themselves were going to be ill-equipped to fully train all of the people in all of these different functions. And there needed to be some kind of thing, some kind of community, some kind of platform, whatever the word you wanted to use, some kind of connective tissue that existed solely on behalf of the individual, of the membership, that didn't exist to serve any other ulterior motive. It wasn't trying to sell data to recruiters or advertisers or publishers or anything. It was really about enabling the individual so that these people, meaning me and my friends at the time, could be better at our jobs so that we could keep our jobs longer, so that we could scale with the companies longer, and so that we could get wherever it is that we wanted to go over the course of a career, quote unquote, meaning over 15, 20, 30, 40 years of being in the workforce and generating income. How do we make sure that at the end of that, you feel like it was a beautiful journey, you had a great ride, you had the impact that you wanted to have, you made the money that you wanted to have, you slept well at night, all of those things. So that was the impetus. The reason I uh, sort of said, it, I don't know if it was a catalyst, only is because there wasn't like one, there were many, it was a sort of an accumulation of multiple moments. It wasn't like any one particular moment. It was just, that was the vision. The vision was, hey, let's build a company built around helping other people get where they want to go in their lives and let's treat them really special. Let's treat them like human beings. Everything else flowed from that. What a great origin story. I love, we always use the word community here. So that makes a lot of sense. And I love when community stories start with like me and a bunch of friends needed help and we wanted to help each other. And then we realized other people needed help too. It just feels like such an organic way to grow and start a community. Yeah, it was pretty organic. I call it pulling the thread, meaning like from the Weezer song about the sweater, if you want to unroll my sweater, pull the thread as I walk away. Like the point being, if you want to destroy my sweater, that's the right lyric. But anyway, the point is, I just try to do the next right thing by listening to people, listening to what they want. And maybe sometimes it leads you to a great place like where we are today. Cool. And so you mentioned earlier that you track data, you love data, you track all sorts of things. So I would like to dive into that because as community professionals, we love to hear how other people are tracking the successes of their communities. And so what kind of metrics are you using to gauge success at Pavilion? Well, the I know this is a controversial metric and I think it's controversial for fairly like arcane technocratic reasons that miss the point, to be honest. But there's a lot of people that don't like Net Promoter Score. They think like, oh, it's not the right question to ask. We should ask a different question. And as I've said, and I will continue to say, it's that's really, it's quibbling. The point isn't what the, how the question is phrased. The point is that it's the same question. <laughs> that's all. It's the same question asked over time in a consistent way so that you can benchmark the data. So the point isn't whether there are plenty of times I would buy something, but I wouldn't recommend it or whatever. So number one, North Star for us is a consistent customer satisfaction metric that tells us whether or not we're on the right track. And that for us is net promoter score. And we phrase it in the normal way. Would you recommend this to a friend? So that's the first thing that we track. We track it on a rolling, on a trailing 90-day basis. We track it weekly, monthly, every which way. And for us, it's the leading indicator of whether or not we're doing a good job. And it also sort of helps guide everything else. So that's one of the things we track among a diversity of metrics. Of course, the other thing we track is churn. And those are kind of like two ends of the spectrum. The, the first, net promoter score is a leading indicator of churn and churn is a lagging indicator of member unhappiness. And then in the middle, we're constantly looking for correlations between levels of engagement and types of engagement relative to those two things. And so, for example, we found recently that if you are the average NPS score for somebody in one of our learning programs, and we built out this whole pavilion university, and you can take chief revenue officer school or chief marketing officer school, the average is nine point something, 9.2. 
right? So on average, if you're in a learn program, you're a promoter. And on average of the people that are not in a learn program, on average, they are a detractor. Now, most, many, many people of, or at least of the people that we've recently surveyed. The point being that that helps us. It's not on average you're a detractor, probably on average you're still like a high passive. But the point is that it's like seven something versus 9.1 or 9.2, which is actually quite meaningful given Mm -hmm. that's like 20% higher, 25% higher. So the point is, okay, that tells us that like we should be trying to get people into learn programs as part of their membership experience so that they get more fulfillment and satisfaction from their membership. That's an example. Cool. Hi, everyone. Anne-Marie Pollocky-Dinkle here, event manager at CMX, and I am crashing this podcast to cordially invite you all to CMX Summit 2021 Rise. On August 31st through September 2nd, join seasoned practitioners, emerging leaders, and industry experts for three jam-packed days of speakers, hands-on workshops, and networking with the world's largest group of community builders everything you need to rise up and thrive. Head over to cmxhub.com to RSVP now. See you there. I think it's really important to talk about that because as someone who is a community professional, has been doing this for a while, but doesn't come from a statistics background (laughs) or any sort of background where we read spreadsheets and data and survey results, it's really helpful to hear how you do that kind of cross tabs. So you see not just the NPS score, but who gave you that NPS score and what programs are they involved in and where are they in the world and where are they in their journey? So that's really helpful to hear. Yeah, happy to. And again, it's about the problem with it is that it's a subtle multivariant analysis. What I mean by that is like, it's not as simple as like, oh, put them into a learn program because like maybe they didn't want to be in a learn program and that's why they're not in it because a learn program for us is a big commitment. So it's not quite as easy sometimes as it feels because there are reasons that people make different choices, but it helps. And certainly it helps to understand that because we also looked at it, whether you have a mentor or not. And people that have a mentor are happier than people that don't have a mentor, but they're more happy. The difference is starker when they're in a learning program. So then it's like, okay, let's figure out if we can get everybody into a learning program. Right. And so with all these different programs, you have the rule, must be a participant, not a lurker. And so I would love to hear just how do you encourage people to join these different programs? And how do you make sure that you're building this more engaged community? How do you make people participate? Well, here's my talk track, Beth. (laughs) I've been saying this a lot recently. So it's like repetitive to me, but new to most people. For most technology companies, the lines of code are the technology, right? For Bevy, right? You build a community platform for people to manage communities. And the technology, quote unquote, is really... Some of it's the workflows, but a lot of it's the lines of code that the platform exists on, that when you're a SaaS company, that's what technology means to most people. And what I think that word means for most people, what they imply with it is that it is a series of tools and systems and processes that enable you to replicate at zero, low to zero marginal cost, right? It's like, how do you scale? You scale because you figured out how to do something with fewer people. You used to need 20 people. Now you need five people. And so technology is the process of sort of um, not just automation, but replication. Anyway, this is a very long-winded way of saying, for us, I'm a non-technical founder. I'm not a software engineer. But we built a company worth north of $100 million. Now it's also true that we're in a special kind of economic environment. 
But we did that. We use technology, but our technology is our values. So, and I don't mean that just to be cheeky. I mean that it is, if you can, humans are a conveyor of ideas and they are a conveyor of behaviors and norms. And you can build workflows where you train certain people that then train other people. It's very simple. And so what happens is that we indoctrinate people very aggressively when they join, but this is the expectations around how you're expected to behave. So that means that there was a seed of engagement that came to be when a new person joined and they asked a question, people rushed to provide the answer. And that blows a lot of people away. A lot of people are used to not having anything happen when they try to do something, when they try to ask a question. They're used to nobody answering. They're used to joining a Slack community that has no participation at all and no engagement at all. And when they join our community, because the early adopters modeled what it looks like to be a good citizen in our community, they are taught that this is a way to act and this is the way that you're expected to act. And that if you do it with enough enthusiasm and enough passion and spirit, people really actually, you can break through their cynicism. Then they feel a sense of obligation to pay it forward, right? Because they feel like this person was nice to me. I need to be nice to other people. All of these people were so helpful to me. I need to make sure I'm helpful. And as a consequence of that, you can start copying and pasting your values into new human beings who are all members. And so the way that we sort of enforce our values is really by our members enforcing the values on our behalf and then teaching new members who teach new members. It's not a perfect system, but we're 5,200 people and we were 90 people when I started working on this full time. And so it seems like something is at play that's pretty powerful. I think even just the fact that you have that expectation right at the beginning really allows people to self-identify and make sure that they know the expectation before they join so that if they have any sort of hesitation that maybe they are going to be too much of a lurker, maybe they're not prepared to be a participant, it's really great to set that expectation right up front so that they don't join under false pretenses or expect that they can slide under the radar. Yeah. And it works in the opposite way too. So for example, last week we got a really low NPS score. We got like a two out of 10 or something. So I called the guy, I don't need to say his name, but anyway, the point is that he said, listen, I joined this thing because my boss told me to join it and I just couldn't find a way to make money. And I kept pitching my stuff. And every time I would do that, I'd get my hand slapped by somebody that worked for your company. And of course I'm thinking, oh, good. I'm, I'm glad that happened. And, you know, I just, for me, it's all about creating opportunities and I couldn't find a way to create opportunities. And our whole ethos is about, hey, the way that you create opportunity within Pavilion is by helping other people. It's not by just like pitching your thing and seeing who wants to buy it. So as he was saying this to the point of self-identification, I said to myself, you know what? It's good that you're churning, (laughs) you know? Like, I don't think this is the right place for you, actually. And it doesn't feel like a fit. And so to exactly your point, you're right. It helps people self-identify and it also helps us accept a level of churn maybe that is acceptable because it's a group of people that, you know, we weren't able to convince to behave a different way. They want to act in a specific way and that's okay. It's just not within our community. Totally. I feel like we could talk for way longer about how you set those values, how you create those personas and how you celebrate the people who are following your guidelines and everything, but we can't because the Community Corner is a nice short bite-sized podcast. So I have one last question for you. And it's one that I ask everybody, but as a fellow podcast host for the Sales Hacker podcast, I would love to know who within the community space would you like to grab lunch with? Within the community space, well, I like Stephen Brody, who's a, who works at Bevy. Maybe I'll grab lunch with him. I don't know. Is Oprah in the community space? She seems like an interesting <laughs> person. 
mean, I guess I'll give you Oprah. She could be in the community space. (laughs) She's some kind of community leader. People follow her and they do what she tells them to do. So maybe I'll say Oprah. Cool. I mean, Oprah's book club is definitely a special kind of community. So, okay, I'll give you that. I don't know if I can help get Oprah on your podcast though. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. That's okay. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for chatting with me today, Sam. It was such a pleasure to meet you and hear about Pavilion. Well, thanks for having me, Beth. And thanks for all the great work that you all do over at Bevy. And I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about how to create your own community, go to pod.bevy.com. That's pod.bevy.com. This is the Community Corner, and I'm Beth McIntyre.